and so a lot of times I think people have the think I need to invent something new. Not necessarily. We can take an existing idea such as a car, but how are we going to implement it differently like the assembly line? Good day. Welcome to the Consultant and the Coach podcast. I'm here with my good friend Josh and we have been laughing our tails off for the last 10 minutes. It's a good thing for myself, especially that that wasn't recorded. But hey, today we are going to talk about an agile organization, and uh, you know it's 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 good to be agile. And running, you don't sprain your ankle. In agile organizations, you don't go bankrupt, and you evolve and evolve. That's right. Well, especially in uh, 2022, as we've all learned in the last couple of years, right, to uh, be agile in our personal lives and our professional lives. Um, agile software development's been around for a long time, and one of the hot topics in 2022 for a lot of our leaders is now how to make even more agile organizations, what that means, and how do we continually respond and change at speeds that we've never seen before in, in industry. So mm-hmm. excited to talk about that more today. Yeah, so what, what Bible verse do you have for us today? Yeah, so it's funny. I was thinking about this one, trying to figure out how agility might be described in the Bible. And um, one comes from David, of course, in Psalms. Also, it's actually a passage in Second Samuel as well, so it's sort of in two or three spots, actually, in the Bible. Um, same verse uh, passage, but anyhow, uh, Psalm 18, 33, Second Samuel 22, 34 says, He gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. And I thought that was good because... Um, just remembering in business and in life and family, um, tough things happen and, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. And so I think we start with, um, our businesses and the the ability we have to be agile, you know, starts with an understanding of who the creator made us to be and and that that, that giftedness comes from us. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. And can I add something to that? Please. And I I think of the verses in Psalms, especially, there are all sorts of verses in Psalms that talk about like not hurting one's ankle, you know, Mm -hmm. like, and he'll give us the stability so it doesn't happen. And I think to myself, I've broken my left ankle twice. I've sprained my right one like 20 times to the point I had to have it surgically repaired 10 years ago Mm -hmm. because the ligament was shredded. And that's with great orthopedic care. Imagine in the old days of being a shepherd, you can't get a ligament repaired. You go down, you're out. Yeah. And so this makes more sense. He gives me the agility of, the, of a deer because if you fall down and break your ankle, you could die. Yeah. You might not. And yeah. so it's vitally important. And God gives that. Yeah. yeah. Now, does he give it supernaturally? Is it through other people? Is it through wisdom? I, I think that's kind of what we're going to talk about today. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and how, how we can be agile as, as leaders and as companies. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about just anecdotes or, or experiences. Um, you know, I'll kick off one and then maybe Eric, you want to talk another one. But I know one I've, I've looked a lot at in my career is what I call product market fit. And I think that's a perfect example of agility because um, a, a company is either taking a brand new concept or set of capabilities or an old proven set and trying to find a new market for it. And, and I've worked with lots of companies and I was thinking about this one from... Um, the perspective of product market fit because so many times you know i've worked with entrepreneurs and thinkers who have a good idea but then they go to apply it to a particular application and, and find that actually the market is not where they think it is yeah. right and so um 
one example of this, you know, that it comes to mind is working with um, an entrepreneur who had this great kind of ability, great technology around the ability to predict some women's health issues, in particular those kind of pre or early in pregnancy. Um, and while it was um, something that intrinsically had value, when we probed on it, there was not the um, clear what we call jobs to be done, and there wasn't the clear understanding of how that would then solve a problem in the workflow and uh, of some end user, and also then from healthcare, there's always this kind of economic distortion because you need a different person who's paying for it mm -hmm. and so there wasn't then clearly who would gain value therefore who would then pay for it right because you might get you know the f the female woman might like to know but she doesn't have there's no particular way that changes the care she receives and the payer's not going to benefit from knowing that information there's nothing you can do with that information in the current workflow and so basically what i said was you don't have a product you have a technology yeah, right. And so what you're saying, here's this great invention, or you know whatever it's going to be. Yeah. But you didn't have a product market fit to right. make any money off this really cool idea. Yeah, and that, and that's the example of agility, where you then have to take, um, you know, kind of this people process technology approach, understand the people, understand the processes which they operate or work in, um, or gain value, and then apply a technology in an ad that's has to be agile enough to then meet people where they are, right? This is an example of an agile approach to what I would call product market fit. Um, how about you? What, what have you seen in terms of organizations and being agile and the way they do I, their I work? I have a lot, and I have a lot of really big victories, but I also have some massive defeats. Hmm. Uh, let, let's start with victories because we yeah. don't like victories. I, I, I bought a house, and it has a pool. And there's this thing called Airbnb. And this, is a, this isn't even your house, right? This, this is not even house. my house. Yeah. I, I bought it and I put it up on Airbnb and it just took off. We're making hand over fist and it's just amazing. And so, you know, we kind of learned this it, in the industry. We call it STR, short-term rental. Mm -hmm. And we have figured this thing out and we are, it, it's a very good side income stream for our business. But likewise, I bought another cabin that I, uh, okay, I'm going to put it up on Airbnb. And it it didn't come together properly. I don't have their permits for it yet. I have a crazy neighbor who has two felonies, who breaks into it, who stole my generator. It's nuts. And so um, I have another vet investment that, you know, sadly I'm out six six figures right now on something I haven't made a penny on yet. Hmm. So the way, what, what I'm saying is here are two same products. They're both STRs. One's very lucrative and doing amazing. The other one's not. And so sometimes in regards to product market fit, it's the same product, but you also have to understand where they're at. Right. Yeah. And I think that's where when we talk with agile organizations, how do you not get taken out? Had we thrown all our life savings and quit our job for the second one, we would be upside down. Yep. But yep. we went in very calculated, and we, you know, I have a worst case scenario. Um, and with this, yes, this one cabin is worst case scenario. We'll, we'll, we'll turn it around eventually. But thank God, you know, some good organizations, you got to have an emergency fund. You got to have a backup plan. Sure. Yeah. I know. Another example comes to mind too is a company I worked with that. Um, <clears throat> 
was in the process of transforming its IT um, group, and basically what I was asked to do was come in and help to rethink the way they designed and deployed their resources. Yeah. So one of the things also from an Agile organization's perspective, those familiar with Agile software development, which we'll talk a little bit about in a minute, the roots of that, um, is it started in software, and it's really this idea of kind of being able to move more quickly and what this organization realized, and a lot of other thinkers uh, and writers have, have been working on, is the fact that um, there's several, there's two components to moving fast. There's both how you do the software development, but actually it's also about how you organize your teams, your resources. Absolutely. Because if you organize them appropriately, that's how you get an agile organization. There's difference between an agile group or an agile uh, methodology for software in an agile organization, which is what we're talking about today, effectively is how you apply your resources in a way that is responsive to the environmental changes that you cannot predict, mm-hmm. right? You can't see what's coming around the corner tomorrow or next week or next month. And so how do you, um, so what this organization was able to successfully do and I was able to help them to guide this was to really piece together their resources in a very thoughtful way that reflected the architecture of the software they were trying to build. And so therefore they were able to fast flow those teams with um, a high amount of, um, autonomy and uh, reliability and responsiveness to the needs around them. So it was very successful. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm a, I was a history minor at college at the University of Washington, and I love looking at history because even, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Henry Ford. We're talking mm-hmm. like the 1920s. I'm going to be off on my dates. At the time, he was one of over a thousand different car makers. He did not invent mm-hmm. how to make a car, mm-hmm. but what he did was he took an existing technology and um, he was agile in how that car was made. Mm-hmm. The implementation of the assembly line. Mm-hmm. And, and so a lot of times I think people have the, think I need to invent something new. Not necessarily. We can take an existing idea such mm-hmm. as a car, but how are we going to implement it differently like the assembly line? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times even today, there are a lot of things that have been made, you know, and, you know, knowing the backstory of some of your consulting arrangement, they're really good ideas and they can still be used. But how do we, mm-hmm. how do we then take that to a profitable assembly line or what does that look like? Yeah. Well, and actually it's interesting you bring up Henry Ford. I read an article about Tesla this weekend um, that took that, what you just said one step further in terms of where then Ford began to fail, interestingly, mm-hmm. which was. Um, by 1921, if I remember the numbers correctly, it had something like 50-something, 60% market share at the time. And it was likening that to Tesla because Tesla's right now delivering, I think it was somewhere just shy of a million cars a year on two basic models. And they're doubling down on those models and basically saying we're going to grow those like crazy to as many as 1.5 million uh, volume per car. And right now the largest selling car in the world is only 1.1 million at a Corolla. Right. Mm-hmm. And so basically what they were saying was if you look at Ford as an instructor, one of the analysts, I think was basically looking back historically at what happened to Ford. Ford was doubling down on the T the, the model T. Well, guess what happened? Because there isn't a, a strong proclivity by the American consumer in particular to buy lots and lots of the same car in a span of only six years. Ford, who wasn't then agile, it was interesting. Like he mm-hmm. invented this idea of agile, car creation at the same time got so stuck in that as like doubling down on the model t within six years from 1921 to 1927 went from 50 plus 60% market share to 16% because yeah. everybody else came out with cars and so that's what they're actually predicting might happen to tesla is because they haven't been able to expand into these other models quickly enough 
and there's plenty of other competitors arriving, same way that happened to Ford, you might actually see this dilution of the Tesla brand because so many other competitors with electric cars are now coming. So yeah, interestingly, and, and Ford wasn't reason, agile. Yeah, yeah. We have to be agile because yeah. even if, you exactly. know, the, the saying, you know, eventually you get fat, dumb, and happy. Yeah. You do, and then you're yeah. going to get taken out. Yeah. But to encourage us, if we're not number one in our industry, there's been a lot of industries. Let's pick on Apple. Yeah. They were single digits. And they did what they did very, very well through mm-hmm. their own ways. Mm-hmm. And then they have grown and grown and grown. So yep. on each side, this should encourage all of our listeners. Yep. Hey, if you're if you're on top, how are you going to stay? How are you going to continue to evolve? If you're not, what does that look like? And this is where, obviously, us as a consultant and a coach, this is where we would say, hey, if you don't have a good consultant, if you're not coaching – you can get taken out by that. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's where a consultant and a coach can help, right? Is mm-hmm. to help you stay agile and sort of give you a second opinion, a, a second view. So let's talk a little bit about history, talking about history of what agile is. Um, iterative development, for those who are maybe new to this concept of agile development, many of our listeners probably are familiar with the concept of plan, do, study, act. That was a kind of a precursor, right? This idea that you can kind of have this iterative cycle of kind of plan something, um, do it, study it on the results, take action, and move through the, and move through that phase, right? So that's kind of the precursor to Agile. Um, and then f- for those who want to Google it and, and read more about it, I'll read it to you briefly here. In 2001, there was something that came out that was called the Agile Manifesto. That was by software developers. They were looking for methods to produce better software more quickly. Um, and I'll even just read it here quickly because it's, it's, it's instructive and it's short. Um, They said, we are uncovering better ways of developing software by doing it and helping others do it. Through this work, we have come to value. It's basically four values of things they they value over other things. So individuals and interactions over processes and tools, working software over comprehensive documentation. In other words, get good stuff out the door before you worry about writing all about it. Customer collaboration over contract negotiation. So again, customer-minded. Um, and responding to change over following the plan. And so you can write a plan, and and then they say, you know, that is while there is value in the items on the right, processes and tools, comprehensive documentation, contract negotiation, following a plan, there's value in those things. The things they value are on the left. They value those things more. Individuals, customers, collaboration, responding to change. And so that's really the essence of agility, but we can apply that to any organization. Oh, absolutely. Right? And that, that, that is what companies are being demanded to do And whether it's a, to a church now. or a janitorial organization or a brand new invention that yeah. we don't even know about yet, it right. applies to all of it. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, and it's this ability to respond to the change, changing influences and market dynamics that are facing all of our companies. Mm-hmm. Um, so why? why? Why do you think, Eric, this matters? Why does this impact, you know, your... Um, your clients and your business at the medical supply, like why does this make a difference being agile? Uh, there are a number of reasons, you know, I'll just, you said medical supply, that's our, that's our largest business. Um, one is I'm trying to fend off competitors just like everyone else. Mm-hmm. They will, they are coming after my business, but likewise I'm going after theirs. So I need to be agile. And that's actually why we've done very, very well. Good, well in this pandemic we've always been agile mm-hmm. so when the pandemic hit i was just like oh good a new novel thing for us to figure out and we were already so good at that that's why we have flourished in the pandemic and it took some other people out right and we'll just see you have to know but then eventually it might level off mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think that the big thing for why is is an agile organization better than other structures better than other methodologies philosophies really 
is it's about responding to the pace of change, mm-hmm. right? The pace of change in society right now, things are becoming more and more specialized, things are becoming more and more um, technology dependent, things are becoming more and more digital. Digital transformation is a big piece of my consulting work. Um, that the ability to respond effectively to the changing market dynamics that are coming at you from a regulatory perspective too, actually also is another big one, um, are, are just never ending. And mm-hmm. so you, you can't possibly plan for all those changes because they change faster and you can write up the plan now, right? And so it's the ability to sort of adapt um, coherently, right, to these changes. Now, I, I'm going to go on an illustration that I think will prove both of our points. Mm. We want to be agile, but we don't want to be so agile that it's almost bipolar and it goes outside the realm of what's healthy. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, think of a game of poker where you go all in. Mm -hmm. And if you get it, it looks really, really cool. But when you go all in and you lose, you're now out of the game. Yeah. (laughs) And so a lot of it is as, as, as business owners, we need to figure out, do we need to go all in or do we make very good wagered bets along the way right and and there's this there's this give and take where i i know some people they eventually it's just it's a they were conservative but it was like a slow decade after decade death yeah now some people like oh i won on this great bet yeah but then they went out of business three years later on the next bet that didn't go so well so how do you how do you navigate when do you go all in when do you not how do we figure this out yeah, I mean, so one of the things that I've been studying is, again, this team and org design concept and how do you actually put your teams together for success. And I think one of the ways it's instructive from a, it's a book, I'll just give a shout out to Team Topologies, um, and it's by a guy named Matthew Skelton, Manuel Pice. Um, and what they get into is this concept, I think, that answers your question, which is how you sort of structure a team for success, right? And to your point... Um, if you're a very small startup and you have a single concept, then yeah, you're sort of all in on a single thing. But really, once you grow past 8, 10, 15 people, you effectively need to begin to build and d- divide up those teams to be focused on specific business problems and customers and market segments. And so effectively, you begin to do two things. One is, as a leader, you have to give those individuals sort of the right cognitive load, if you will, as a term in from the book. And you have to think carefully about how they're focused on a customer and a business problem. But you're also de-risking your work, to your point, by doing two things. One is you're giving them full autonomy to go succeed on one thing. So they, from a cognitive perspective, are not divided. So they're much more mm-hmm. likely to succeed because they have a narrow focus. But two you can actually begin to deploy multiple teams on multiple business problems or market segments, but you separate them autonomously, running through a very thin sort of management structure so that they can just run and have everything they need to succeed. And the degree to which they need specialization or software or platform support, you sort of build it underneath them. Mm-hmm. But those are the teams through which you run like crazy. And so to your point, if you've got a new opportunity, yeah, pick a team. And you know, for your company of 50 plus people, that might represent... 10 to 15% of your workforce, 10 to 15% of a resource but bet, right? And you go let them run with it. If it succeeds, awesome. You know, you go, you, you scale it more. If it fails, it's only a 10% drain for six months. Love that. Right? Absolutely and, love um, that. And that, that's, you know, at least what I'm seeing in terms of how to leverage this concept um, of agility um, so that you can really free teams up to go pursue, pursue those opportunities. 
Absolutely love that. And, and I, this we're, we're on the same page. And everyone has different risk risk levels. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, even in my own just work that I've done, you know, there's risk tolerance and then there's thinking through, okay, here's a very risky thing, but maybe I shouldn't risk more than 5% or 10% of my mm-hmm. resources on, on it. Right. Um, I'm working, you know, with, um, uh, an investor fund right now and some things and, and basically just looking at how do you take an investment pool, right? Mm-hmm. But you sp- these are high risk bets, but if you actually bet on 20 plus of them, Right, you actually greatly improve your odds that one of them's going to hit. Right, Same absolutely. Thing, right. Well, and I, I stole this idea from Mark Cuban. Ten percent of my investments are in fun things. Yeah. Just and, and I, I'm like, what a great idea. And, and I'm not throwing my money after dumb, crazy things. But ten percent of my investments, I say, does this make me happy? <laughs> it might be a little more risky, but then I also see it as a hobby, and frequently they. They have actually been very, very lucrative, but I just say, hey, 10% is going to go into fun things. Yeah. Yeah. The other 80%, very conservative growth. <laughs> I need to make sure I retire. Yeah. 10%, 80%, it's only 90. I know that's another 10% oh, okay. for your next checking. great idea. Oh, okay. And there are lots of those. So, I mean, you you've that. made my budget, man. <laughs> good. I'm going to come back to you for that. Yeah. Then. There you go. Um, but yeah. Okay. Well, good. Um, well, that's a little bit on uh, agile organizations. Um, Next week, what do we have up next week? I don't know. I'm still on Agile. Oh, you're still on Agile. Let let me give you a a coaching cider. Go for it. There is a large, I mean, sometimes we think from a a consulting perspective, you want to be Agile. Mm -hmm. There is a coaching perspective of that. How do you ride through that? And Mm -hmm. there are different, Mm -hmm. like, for someone like me, I get really excited on new and novel things. But what's it going to look like 12 months in when it's not new and novel and we just have to put out product and invoices, it's not, I, I want to go on to the next thing. Well, that's not healthy because we need to. And so there's a coaching aspect of being agile as well, too. There are seasons in mm. football. Mm-hmm. There's the off season. No one cares about the off season. Um, but everyone, you have to not get fat. You have to put the work in. Yep. Everyone knows the Super Bowl, though. So it's there's a coaching aspect of understanding the seasons uh, of being an agile organization, going back to seasons and rhythms. Go back to seasons and rhythms, and in particular, I think you'll like this, periodization. Absolutely. Right? I mean, when you're putting in miles during the base phase, it's very unglamorous, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. Spoken um, from a distance runner, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Indeed. Uh, and, you know, sure, you might see the glory on race day, but it's only from dozens and dozens and dozens of miles ran yeah. that are unglamorous, right? And so mm-hmm. there's a lot of that too with, with, with Agile and probably helping people learn to lead and coach well is, yeah, they might have to make that big decision on a dime in a crisis, yeah. but they've built that You rapport. still need to be consistent. Consistent. You know, every right? time I read miles this book, oh, what's this day. book called? Um, you know, there's this, there's this hare and there's this tortoise and every time the tortoise wins. The tortoise and the hare. The consistent one wins yep. every single time. That's right. Yeah. So there's a, there's a steadiness to the approach, but I think there's a part of that steadiness has to the ability to adapt. Yeah. So there's an adaptability and steadiness, which 
um, I think we'll talk about in an upcoming episode, not next week, but uh, about habits and forming habits. Yeah, we've talked about that before. So, well, good. Well, hey, uh, everything that you referenced today, we'll throw down in the show notes. Uh, go on to the consultantandthecoach.com. Uh, reach out to Josh for consulting or, or myself uh, for for coaching. We we would absolutely love to help you. And, uh, but until then, you know, anything else? Yeah. Tune in next week for talk about authentic brand. One of the, another one of the big 2022 topics is Mm -hmm. consumers and businesses are wanting to do, um, business with those who are, I think, authentic and local and tangible and trustworthy, um, and real in terms of just how people perceive and understand how to interact with you. So we'll talk more about what that means next week. Yeah, Sounds good. So until then, um, Hey, as Josh said earlier, he gives me the agility of a deer. He enables me to negotiate the rugged terrain. May we do that with our organizations this week. This week. All right. Okay. Take care. Bye, guys.